Welcome back to the Jasmine Star Show. And I know I say this plenty of times, but this particular episode is so near and dear to my heart that I'm challenging myself not to completely and totally geek out because I am having a cool girl in junior high school moment where the captain of the podcast team wants to sit at my cafeteria table. Y'all, I could not be more excited to invite and welcome Josh Muccio, host of The Pitch Podcast to the Jasmine Star Show. Josh, welcome. I am so happy you are here in my proverbial junior high school. That, <laughs> that is so fun. What a great intro. I think it's my favorite ever. Oh, Thank well, you. I'm happy. I'm very happy you're here. And we're going to get into the scope of who you are as a person, business owner, podcast host, and kind of what I'm going to go on and say is a sojourner creating your own path and showing other people how to do it. And so the, the story for us is going to be really important. So this podcast is going to look a little bit different than other podcasts in the past. So normally business owners come on and we talk about their journey. We talk about what they're doing. We talk about unique and new things that they're doing that people can then apply to their business. And so the goal of the Jasmine Star Show has always been at the end of every episode, can a listener take one thing and apply it to their life or business to get change? Not a hundred, one. And in this particular episode, it is very unique because I feel like I have a very personal connection to Josh and the pitch. And Josh, if you'd give me just a couple minutes, can I explain the backstory so that people know why? Like I'm sounding like a Billy goat. I'm so excited. Like Josh Mochio is here. Okay. So um, I have to tell you, I have to tell you that I started listening to a show on a network called Gimlet. Good old Gimlet Media. Go, oh, Gimlet Media, you know? And so I became a big listener of podcasts through this network. I would listen to every podcast that this network put out. And one of the podcasts was a show called The Pitch. And unbeknownst to me, it was already two seasons in. And I'm like, ah, I'm going to listen to it. I don't really know much about pitching. I don't know much about venture capital. I don't even know a lot about investments. And then through the course of listening and completely binging on this show, I learned a couple things. Nobody makes better dad jokes or puns than Josh Muccio. Nobody. <laughs> and I want that on my I, tombstone. I know. I mean, I know you work hard on them. They've, they've got to. I mean, I just wait for them. It's like this buildup. I'm like, what is going to be the dad joke pun of this week's episode? Um, and in We've addition, got scores to, of writers. That's their entire job. Do you, is do you really? No. Oh, <laughs> I was like, Josh, I was like, but, you're way fancy. No, but it is a team effort to come up with the dad jokes. Yes. It's, it's really impressive. And so I have to just take a step back and let people know that what I learned starting from that binge and hereafter is I have a deep and profound understanding about fundraising in the most basic sense. Y'all know that I'm not dumb, but I'm very simple. And I feel like I have a really robust, deep sense of fundraising. I also now understand how founders evaluate the worth of their company and whether or not an investor agrees with that evaluation. And I have also learned commonly asked questions from investors, so much so that on this podcast, I have told you that I watch and I consume education and then I pause and I ask myself, can I answer that question? I can now say, not that I ever want to, but I can now say that I can, in 30 seconds flat, stand in front of a group of investors and feel pretty dang confident that I can make a pitch and I have the answers to their commonly asked questions. Now, this does you not mean- just do it on the fly, right? Like I almost you listen because... to the show enough and you just like, yes! oh, give me an idea and I'll figure out how to pitch it. 
have, you know, and I feel like it is a skill set. And that's where I want to start this conversation. Because as any business owner at any point in time, you become unmessable with when you feel really confident in your numbers, evaluation, places to improve. So Josh, now hearing that, can you go back and start us at why you started the show and what the intention was of the show? Going back then when this is just an idea because people have just an idea. And so I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna say that yeah. this episode is for investors. This episode is for podcast lovers. This episode is for podcast creators. And this episode is specifically for people who want to create a business by way of podcasts. So Josh, can we go back to the early version of you? Yeah. So I've always kind of been an entrepreneur. I, by accident, actually, started in college, uh, built my first business. It was an e-commerce company and then sold it in 2015, which was like an eye-opening moment in and of itself to realize you could build a business that people would want to buy. Like that was just so cool. And then I sold it and I didn't know what to do. So I consulted for a little bit. I tried to start you know, a few businesses with my friends. They weren't really entrepreneurs. They didn't take off. But then um, we had the idea for the pitch. We yeah. thought, you know what? Shark Tank is cool and all that. But what if there was a story? What if there was a podcast that actually told the true story of how these deals are done? And funny enough, I've been doing another podcast called The Daily Hunt. And that show didn't really go anywhere. I'm sure you haven't heard of it. Very many people listened. Very few people listened. But one person was an investor out in Silicon Valley named Sheil Manat. He listened and reached out and said, hey, I've been wanting to start a podcast that's like Shark Tank. And I think you'd be someone I'd want to start that podcast with. Okay, wait, like, wait, wait, no wait, wait, Josh, wait, Josh. <clears throat> I'm, I'm a natural born storyteller. And I don't want to glaze over what just happened because it's pretty significant. And somebody listening right now might have the opportunity to stop their path after seeing what it is you went through. You sold the business. Very few yeah. people do that. So congratulations. And then what I heard, if I understood it correctly, is you dabble in a few other businesses that don't take off, which other people yeah. might consider a failure on this show. We call them lessons. And then you start a podcast that doesn't take off the way that you want. And then an opportunity Correct. comes. So what are you telling yourself after each subsequent lesson? How are you pushing through with the podcast when nobody's listening? What is your mindset there? Um, <laughs> it was frustrating for sure. We had, you know, we had money in the bank because we had sold that first business. So like there was room for experimentation, which was amazing. I mean, so what a blessing to be able to have a couple of years to figure out, you know, who I wanted to be when I grew up. I think I was around 27, maybe at the time. And yeah, I mean, building the podcast, I remember always talking to Lisa, um, my wife. Um, she also um, helped kind of start the company in the beginning. But she was like, <laughs> she was like, I don't know if Daily Hunt, the show that I was doing that nobody was listening to. She's like, I don't know if Daily Hunt is the thing. But I feel like it'll probably lead to the thing. <laughs> mm. And so a lot of times that was what motivated us to keep going because we didn't really know what was next. Mm. But we knew that we were supposed to be doing something in podcasting. So we just kept showing up. So and funny story, like I had the idea for the podcast because I had a dream that I started a podcast. I woke up and produced the first episode of The Daily Hunt that day by the end of that day and had it and had it published. What was the premise Which of the show, The Daily crazy. Hunt? 
Well, there's this there's this like really niche website called Product Hunt. Yes. Um, that was launched back in 2015, 2016. Yes. And they um, just highlighted like the best products, um, best like product launches. This could be from like Apple or like some really small startup. Like it could really span you know any company, and it just really grew into this community of startup founders and like people that loved products and technology and starting new things. And I also, I was one of those people that just loved it because I was learning so much and I was like being inspired by other people's ideas. And so I thought, oh, it'd be cool if I made a podcast that talked to, it was a daily show and we would talk to one of the companies that had launched on Product Hunt that day. But again, it was like, if I had really thought it through, like taking a niche website and then building a podcast for that niche, like you're just taking a slice of a, another slice and you're just like hoping <laughs> you're that it's going to be a slice big, of a really know? small slice to begin with. Yes. Okay. So. Okay. And so then did you ever ask Sheil how he came across? No, for those of you who don't know, Sheil is actually like a guest investor quite often on the show. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, what, what you don't know is there are 55 lost episodes of The Pitch that we did from 2015 to 2017 before we joined Gimlet. And those were done with Sheil. He was the co-host on the show. But (laughs) yeah, we thought about republishing those recently and we still might, but they're very different from what the show, the pitch is today and what people Mm. have, you know, come to really love. The, The big problem with that version of the show is it was all done remotely, which should be fine, right? Most podcasts are done remote, except nobody ever invested. No one. Like, mm. we, not 55 episodes of the show over two years, and no one ever invested in the companies we had on. And so out of frustration, I w- we, were, we were ready to throw in the can. And then Lisa had just... So Lisa like would basically work with me in the evenings, you know, you know, co-founding pair. Like you're always working on stuff, even if, you know, she's working. We've got like three kids at this point. So, you know, she's trying to do the mom thing and help me out with stuff. And she was also a wedding planner um, on the weekends and doing these big high-end weddings here in Sarasota. But then she was like, you know what? I need to step back from this. And so she took the, that like time from that and realized, hey, I could plan an event for the pitch. Like we could bring everybody in person and see if that makes a difference. And that was kind of the big moment for us was we held this big recording event out in Silicon Valley with a whole new panel of investors, people who we were like, we need people who will actually commit to invest in companies. And that really narrowed the playing field because most venture capitalists were like, no, I'm not going to commit to invest on the spot. That's stupid. So we found those that were cool with that. And uh, that first season, we saw over a million dollars committed to companies on our show. So that's kind of the moment we realized, oh, okay, this is the thing. So even the first version of the pitch wasn't even that successful. Mm. So for people who are catching up with this story now, how many iterations it took to take a pre-existing idea, we are somewhat familiar with the Shark Tank, and then apply it in an audio setting and then do 55 episodes before the idea shifts and takes shape. And then going from zero to a million in a season. And so if you were to go back and tell Josh, when you start that first podcast, well, actually, let's go back to when Sheila approaches you. What would you tell that version of yourself? Knowing what you know now. Gosh, what wouldn't I tell myself? (laughs) Oh, I would say, okay, Josh, uh, being in person actually matters when 
we're talking mm-hmm. about money. I would say, Josh, um, own your own IP, which is a whole nother thing. That's going <laughs> to be part two. That That's gonna be, that, we're getting into that. We're getting into that. We're getting into that, which I'm, I'm okay. Yes. And the last thing I would say is, Josh, trust your instincts. Like, don't assume that other people, mm-hmm. just because they come from this amazing background, that they really have the insight that you need. They don't. Trust your instincts because you know what you're building and you know who you're building it for. Ooh, that's really great foreshadowing because the next part of this conversation, I want to talk about from a listener's perspective. I had binged the first two seasons. I had religiously, every time the pitch dropped, I was first to hear it. I listened to it in the morning as I got ready. And then it seemed like the pitch went quiet. And um, okay, so this is where I want to talk a little bit about the business of podcasting. And depending on how much you're comfortable sharing, can you tell us like you aren't just building a podcast around fundraising and getting funds and investing in businesses, you yourself are running a business. So can you break those two things apart and then tell us a couple things that was happening in the business when a listener, I'm like, I haven't heard from the pitch in a while. Yeah. So up to that point in time, so the version of the pitch that you discovered was we were entirely owned by Gimlet Media. So we had done that show. We did those 55 episodes with Sheil Manat. And in February of 2017, we sold the show to Gimlet. So along with it, we sold the rights to the IP for the back catalog and the right to continue producing the show. Then they hired me on full time, uh, built the team around me. They actually hired a couple of the contractors that we had working on the show previously. And that was the team that made the pitch at Gimlet over four years. Mm-hmm. Am I missing? Yeah, I don't know if it's uh, three years. <laughs> I guess okay, it was so, 2017. Okay, okay. To... So as a storyteller in me, yeah. when this happens, when you when you sell your IP and everything, the back catalog to mm-hmm. Gimlet, and then you're hired like, where are you at? Uh, tell me about your emotions. What are you thinking? Are you champagneing moment? Are you high fiving? Is yeah. like where are you at here? Well, I, I'll tell you the downside of building a podcast is it's actually well, at least for me, it was rather lonely because mm-hmm. it was mostly just me sitting in front of a computer doing all the work, right? Running the interviews, editing them in you know I think I was using GarageBand or something like that back in the day, and you know trying to emulate these great shows that I loved. Like I was also a Gimlet listener because they launched in 2015. And the show I used to love was Startup. It was hosted by Alex Bloomberg. Yeah, that's what got me started too. Yeah. Worth listening to if you haven't heard it. And I would try to emulate what they were doing. But for the most part, it was just it was just me working in our bedroom in my house and our studio trying to make a show take off, trying to create the business around it. And it was just really lonely and isolating. And I didn't have a team of people supporting me. So when Gimlet came along and said, yeah, we want to buy your show. We want to distribute it across our network. We want to help it grow and reach um, (laughs) the term they use. They're like, we're going to turn the pitch into a juggernaut. Of course, I was pretty stoked about that. But it was really about just joining a team and, and feeling like I was a part of something even bigger than just what we were building. And Gimlet at that point in time was probably the hottest um podcast oh it was don't don't at. don't like, be everybody humble everybody was talking about it it, it was, was like it, i'm listening and looking at shows like reply all yeah and i'm um, heavyweight and the pitch and i'm like how do they keep on producing these massively successful 
truly compelling, like setting the bar shows. Yeah. And so this is me as a listener and I'm watching all of this on the outside. So you're saying it felt good to be part of a team and to do yeah. something that was much bigger. And we love the word juggernaut. We do. Yeah. Okay. I love the word juggernaut. I, there's very okay. few times where I use the word juggernaut. I'd like to use it more in my vocabulary. So at the uh, end of the show, what we're going to say is Josh Muscio, thank you for coming in and producing a juggernaut of an episode. Uh, <laughs> Okay, so this is where you are then. So we're yeah. back in 2017. Yeah, we're back in 2017. Go ahead. Sorry. The team, no, 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 no. The team is getting around you. You're doing great and powerful things. And then what happens? So we produced uh, eight episodes. Sorry, no, sorry. Eight seasons of the mm -hmm. show over three years from 2017 to 2019. And... Uh, I learned a ton, got to work with some of the most talented producers and hosts and teams uh, in the business. It was really incredible. The thing that I thought was true was that everybody else was going to tell me how to run my show better and to take this like gem of an idea and make it spectacular when really <laughs> they were just there to support me and help me make it great. But they expected me to continue to drive the vision and and run the show, which um, should have been obvious to me. Like when, whenever you have a creative run, you know, business like this, whether you're a podcast host or, or like probably the, you know, the teams at Disney that like make amazing movie after amazing movie for, for decades on end, or like the Pixar team, like anytime, like it's the people in the room that make mm. The stuff amazing and it's a lot of times the people right at the top that set the vision that then the rest of the team can execute on so you know inside of gimlet it wasn't like uh alex bloomberg with the vision and everybody else had to fall in line it was like each team was responsible for carrying their own their own team and like pushing the envelope and that you know, was hard because like you had some teams that didn't really want to work with others. Some teams thought they were better than the other shows. And so there were certainly problems with that. And uh, I wish that that had been handled better. But at the same time, within each team, you had such autonomy, so much. You could take so many risks as a team and try out new concepts. And so that's why you saw really incredible shows like Heavyweight and Reply All and mm -hmm. Stolen. Um, I mean, Crime Town. Mm -hmm. uh, gosh, I'm, I'm missing. There's so many science verses. Uh, yes. yes. Every little thing. Wendy like, Zuckerman. Are, yes. I, I, and then what was the hip hop one? I listened to the hip hop one too. Mogul. Um, yes. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm literally telling you, when whatever Gimlet produced, you understood that there was a, a production value. You understood that there was talent. But you, from a listener, Josh, you understood that the, it felt like clear autonomy and a very pointed point of view. Yeah. And so then what happens with Gimmick from an outsider's perspective is that it's acquired by Spotify. Yeah, in 2019. And so, ah, so you're producing your show eight seasons in three years to 2019. What happens then from your perspective as a creator? Yeah, yeah. so our show comes onto Spotify and at first nothing changed. Uh, we were told nothing would change. Of course it did. Uh, nobody really believed them when they said nothing would change. And uh, I remember audiences getting really upset when we were bought by Spotify. They felt like the leadership at Gimlet had sold out. And I think to be on the inside, it was both a really amazing thing and horrible at the same time. Mm -hmm. It was amazing in that 
you know, we all had options. Like we had been given, you know, stock options in Gimlet. And then those converted into real money. I mean, so often stock options, right. you know, don't end up turning into anything because they're at the very bottom of the preferences for, you know, shareholders. Like investors take precedence. But we, you know, it was a good exit for people involved in Gimlet Media. And they had raised um, not a lot of venture capital, but some. But at the end of the day, like as an employee, we were rewarded for all of the work and all of the IP that we helped create over those two years. But then, you know, being a part of a tech company is just very different than being a part of a media company. The incentives are very different. You know, we came into it thinking we would have a deeper understanding of who our listeners were. We thought we would get more data around who they are because Spotify has, has all this data. And in theory, yes, there was more data, but I never saw any of that. Mm. And I never got to use that in any meaningful way to create better episodes of the show, which at the end of the day, like when you're making a great podcast, you just want to make more great stuff that your audience loves. And so unfortunately, a lot of, you know, I can't really get into the details, but you know, a lot of the policy changes that ended up going down once we were a part of Spotify um, just made it harder to create the show that we loved because their incentives were just a little bit different than ours. Um, you know, our incentive was just to have as many people as possible listen to the great work that we put so much time into making. Their incentive was to get more paying subscribers onto Spotify. So there were, you know, countless ways in which those things clashed. But also, I think the macro of this is that, you know, Spotify was buying a bunch of podcast companies. They were trying to make a big splash. And so we were just, you know, their flavor of the week for a period of time. And we thought they we thought that they were that we were going to be their darling, you know, and that we were going to propel the growth and strategy of podcasts of their own, you know, original podcast division inside of Spotify. Um, of course, how that played out was very, very different than that. Uh, I don't know if you saw the news, but I think one of the, the last two Gimlet shows were canceled uh, two days ago. Really? Yeah. Stolen and um, Crime Town. No, not Crime Town. Um, the heavyweight Jonathan Goldstein's show. Really? Yeah. What a shame because I love his show. Yeah. I love his show. Yeah. I was getting texts from my mom this morning about it. She's like, oh, I'm so upset. So am I. So, I mean, yeah. there's times where I'm driving and I'm like, it's me and Jonathan in the car and I'm just crying because it's <laughs> not because not because it's emotional, but what you hear is audible art. And I don't know how else to explain it. He's a master storyteller about the minutia of life and intriguing human interest stories. Like there's no other way to explain it. It's just, well. It feels so human and so just natural and in a quirky way that feels so relatable. Absolutely. <laughs> but Absolutely. also Jonathan is that way in person. I remember running into him into the elevator and he asked, <laughs> instead of saying hello, he was just like, <laughs> I don't even know what he referenced, but he referenced some like obscure show from the 80s. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and I'm sure he, what he, whatever he said was hilarious to him. I had no idea. That was like my one and only interaction with Jonathan Goldstein. I, well, I, it makes me, it, it just makes me more endeared to him. Yeah, so I hope he can find a place to take that show. That's one thing that they mentioned is that Spotify was open to selling it, hopefully. Uh, they do They do actually let him take it somewhere else. Absolutely, it, as they should. So let's go back to 2019. What happens then where you realize, okay, 
not exactly what we anticipated. And despite our best efforts, we wanted to be the darling and we just weren't. So what, yeah. what is happening here from a business perspective, from your business perspective? Yeah, 2019 was actually pretty good because none of the changes had started happening yet. Um, for the most part, we continued running Gimlet the way it had been run. 2020 was a different story for <laughs> many, many reasons. And I think the biggest hit to us was not actually any policy inside of Spotify. It was just that, you know, COVID shut everything down and Spotify shut down the studios. So a lot of shows continued. They just did stuff remotely. And, right. and we continued for a period of time. But we were just basically doing reruns of episodes and we, we would do call-in shows. I don't know if you were listening during this time. Oh, I was. But we I were was. scraping the barrel, you know, trying to come up with a format of our show that listeners would enjoy. But we couldn't do the pitch as the pitch was known. Like we couldn't bring people together into a room and, ha you know, filing people into a room. Uh, you know, six founders a day into a room full of, you know, five investors, like cycling them in three days in a row to do that. It's kind of a recipe to spread um, pathogens. So, so yeah, we did not get to record any new episodes. And so at the end of 2020, the studios were still closed. It didn't look like they were going to close them or open them up anytime soon. And so we had to hit pause on the show. And that was both really good because I got to take some time off. I was extremely burnt out. Just see, being a part of a fast, high-growth media company, a startup in many ways, and you know, having all of that pressure, being you know, publicly in the in the limelight, and trying to to manage all of that. It was it was just a lot. And so, and then of course, twenty twenty, it was stressful for everyone. But basically, in come twenty twenty one, I didn't have anything to do, and mm. so bought some chickens. I started farming. I learned how to brew my own beer. Uh, took as well, a few trips as much as we could when most things were shut down still. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was like my own little sabbatical that, mm -hmm. uh, I hadn't really planned on, but it was amazing. And, uh, I now know what it's like to, to retire and six months of retirement is amazing. And then month seven, I just got so You're done. bored. You're done. I was like, I just, I need to work. I need to, I need something to give me some more purpose, you know? Um, but at the same time, it was like the helpful thing is like my identity was wrapped up in the show for so long. Like I was the pitch and I felt like that was the thing that made me valuable to people. And I think having that taken away for a period of time, um, even though it was voluntary, like it still it it was hard. It just like I felt like I was kind of I was floundering for a while. And eventually it was like, OK, no, I'm not, you know. The, the pitch is not my identity, but at the same time, like, um, I was trying to figure out what was next and I, it took us a long time to figure it out. So when you're there and you're going back and you're realizing that your identity is tied very closely to the work that you're producing and you take a step back when you decide or when you're able to, what shifts, how are, how do you see the business of what you do differently after having taken a step back? What changes manifest? I think... I don't even know what it is. It was basically, I was just letting go of essentially a, I thought that the pitch was me and that mm. that was what gave me importance in the market. And I realized that that was just completely a lie. Like whatever I was doing, I would be giving that thing. I would be the, the one making that thing important. Like whatever my time is spent on, 
that's what makes it valuable. And so it was not the pitch giving me value, but it was completely the other way around. And I know that maybe doesn't sound like a huge paradigm shift, but for me, that was, um, that was everything. So then it was like, all right, what, what is next that, that I'm going to do? And I'm not thinking about, oh, there's this pressure because the pitch is the last thing I did. Like, it was just like, I'm going to let that go. And whatever I do next, like, it's going to be great because I'm going to be working on it. And it wasn't even about the success metrics of what other people said about the thing. Does that make sense? Totally. And I've been there. This is why I was asking. I, I, I do understand that there has to be an uncoupling of yeah. your personal brand, your personal identity in the business itself. So that's why I asked. So you decide to, to do what with the show when you say, okay, it's, I, I've let it go, but obviously you have it. So tell us the transition. Yeah. So then in early 2022, we realize. So during this time off, I kept thinking about, okay, what's the next thing I'm going to do? We basically decided, all right, I guess the pitch is not it. We're just going to let the pitch die. And every idea I would come up with, every business idea that I would get excited about, it was just like, oh, but if I had the pitch back, that's how I would, this is how I would launch the thing. It was just like everything. It was like, oh, I would launch this product for entrepreneurs. Oh, if I only had the show, if I published with the show and I like promoted the thing, like it could be really great. Like I have this amazing audience and it just like thing after thing, it was like every idea would be better if I had the pitch back. And one of them was to start a fund and to start investing in companies, similar to how the investors on our show invest in companies. But it was, there was enough where it was just like, all right, the pitch needs to be ours again. We need to bring this show back. Of course, listeners this whole time were like, you know, asking us what's happening. And I wasn't sure. And I, I felt like I couldn't, I don't know, I'd been so honest with listeners up to that point, but I felt like I couldn't be honest about this thing where I wasn't sure if the show would come back or not. And if I had known for sure that we were ending it, I could have come in and say, the show's over. I'm so sorry. But I, I couldn't even do that. So I was just silent for like a year and a half. And then when we decided like, okay, we want to bring the show back, we talked to Spotify and they were like, okay, we don't want to bring it back here at Spotify. Budgets are constrained. We're like letting go of shows. And, you know, this whole process has been of basically unloading all of the assets that they bought with Gimlet has been ongoing for a couple of years now. And so I was like, well, what if I bought the show from you guys and just took it independent? And they were like, oh, yeah, yeah, we, we could do that. I was like, oh, really? <laughs> and so we did. I mean, it took a couple months to come to a deal, but we bought the show from Spotify, took it independent, and uh, pretty quickly after that, partnered with another network, um, Vox Media. They you know produce and uh, distribute shows like uh, Recode and Pivot and um, Prof G and a bunch of other um, also great podcasts, but very different from Gimlet. And yeah, we partnered with them this time. So we didn't sell the IP and relaunched our show in 20, was this June of 2022 and launched a fund around the same time. So, okay. So this is where I want to pick up part three of this story. But before we do that, yeah, I think that the business question comes up for me is when you decide to buy back from Spotify. So Gimlet sells to Spotify. So yeah. uh, venture backed, Right. media company sells to mega tech company then 
small business owner creator wants to buy from Spotify. Can you yeah. connect the dot? Because it seems like that's a, you know, a David and Goliath type thing. And sure. like, how much liquid cash are you sitting on? Like, what does that even look like? Like, when I think about buying a podcast, like, how? Like, were you intimidated? Like, what well, does that even look like? Like, because no, I'd already sold it to Gimlet a few years ago. So like, which at the time, that was kind of a big deal because people are like, what? You can sell a podcast? It's like, well, yeah, it's an audience. Like, people buy and sell audiences all the time. Um I don't know, you know, it did seem strange at the time for podcasts because it felt so nascent. It was felt like, you know, people in their garage, like, you know, <laughs> recording a thing and um, who would want to buy that, you know? Um, but it turns out certain properties uh, are really valuable and ours because it's in the business niche. Advertisers really like to advertise on business shows because it drives incredible ROI. And so our show was profitable inside of Gimlet. So yeah, I mean, all of those things don't make sense as to why they would let it go. But I mean, it was weird things were happening inside of Spotify. They, oh. I, I, who, yeah, they they're a tech company that bought a media company and didn't didn't really know how to run a media company. So um, anyway, yeah, I mean, buying the show was just like a it was a, just a series of conversations like they they can't do anything with it. They're not like I'm the host right. of the show. I mean, they could like buy another, you know, put somebody else in there, but like they weren't going to do anything with it. So they might as well sell it to me. So in that sense, like in the business sense, did you have a better negotiating like position? Yeah. Like when it came to buying it back from them, you're like, I, as of now, yeah. what I've learned is my value isn't derived from the show, but essentially my my value is the show. And so yeah. sure, you don't want to sell it to me. No problem. I'm going to go out and do my own thing anyway. And so did you, did you say like you, like you stand to make a sale and I'm okay walking away? Like, how did that affect the way that negotiations happened? I mean, I think like, um, I don't really know because it was just, you know, their lawyer talking to my lawyer. And, okay. You know, I, okay. Mean, I had friends inside of Gimlet who basically helped vouch for me and helped put in a good word, right? Because <laughs> like, I think the, the biggest concern is that we put in a request to buy the show and they completely ignored us, but they didn't ignore us because of... Basically, we had friends inside Great. of Gimlet who were Great. going to bat for us. So, your, yes, your network is your net worth. So, I want to tell. I want to tell now from a listener's perspective. It's 2021, right? When you guys come back, we uh, 2022. Actually. 2022. So this was just last so year. you come back in 2022, and you come back in a big way, and you come back with a fund. Now, I remember seeing the show pop up in my feed, and I'm like, they're back. And then I had to wrap my mind around how the show is different and you, what it meant for you to come out with a fund. So can you explain the fund in like, yeah. explain it like I'm five because I want people to be a part of this journey. And then I want to tell listeners that I inserted myself in this part of the story. So yeah, you're a part of the us. story now. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, the, the story of the fund, I mean, it's, it's very simple. Basically we just like, a stock market like money manager would take a bunch of companies that he thinks he or she thinks is a good investment and bundles them all together and then says, Hey, Jasmine, this is what I'm doing with your money. You're invested in all of these companies. I do the same thing in the private market. So with companies, early stage startups that are just getting their companies off the ground, they hope to someday be the next Facebook, the next Uber, the next 
uh, Twitter, you know, whatever. Like they're trying to change the world and the best way they think to change the world is to use their company and to build something that tons and tons of people use. And so we try to identify who those people are, invest in their companies. And it's not like a stock market where you can like actively trade these things. You buy in once. It's not a liquid investment at all. It takes basically 10 or more years for these companies to mature and to hopefully build something of value. But uh, it's a very unique asset class that, uh, you know, when done right, can actually outperform the stock market. So that's we basically took all of the information that we learned running the show, working with venture capitalists uh, who were the panelists, the investors on our show for all those years and being able to go back and look at what were the good investments they make they made on our show and learn from that uh, was essentially the thesis for starting the fund. But what was so cool is like most funds start and they they pitch institutions, they pitch family offices, right? They pitch high net worth individuals and they just like pound the pavement trying to raise the fund. We did not do any of that. We just published an episode where we told the story of what had happened at the pitch the past couple of years. This was in episode 101, Josh Pitches the Pitch. And we asked our audience if they would like to invest, which used to be illegal a few years ago, but the SEC changed some stuff. And now, you know, you check a few boxes and you can publicly raise. And so we were able to raise our fund. Um, we're tracking um, towards raising about four and a half million dollars in our first fund. And it's raised entirely from listeners of our show. Okay, so let me pause here and break this down in the most simplest of terms. Back when Gimlet was pre, it wasn't acquired by Spotify. Mm -hmm. I was listening to a show called Startup, and they gave for a brief amount of time the ability to invest in Gimlet. Listeners Did you invest? Could, well, what I didn't know at the time was I was like, I'm going to invest. And yeah. I was going to invest because I just loved everything about it and I believed in it because mm -hmm. I was a massive consumer. And I'm like, if there are people like me, then it's going to be hands down, the best investment that I could ever make. Now, there were times in the past, Josh, where I missed out on these very blatant opportunities where I live in Southern California and there was a store that descended from Canada called Lululemon. Now, we say that oh now, gosh. but when there was like a line of women outside the door, my husband had asked me, do you know what that is? He's like, do you think we should buy stock? And I'm like, no, that's just for crazy women who really like to work out. And next thing I know, I was one of those crazy women standing in line because I swore by these hands. You know, and I was like, you see these like with other coffee shops and see these opportunities. So I just knew, I was like, oh, Gimlet is my future Lululemon. Mm -hmm. I didn't know at the time that we had to create an uh, angel list account. And it took a long time for it yeah. to like be approved or go through. So I was like, I'm going to invest in Gimlet. And when they had announced it, it was that day that I decided to go through and create an angel list account yeah. uh, or a profile. And I was far too late. They sold out like at less than <laughs> less than a day. Yeah. And I was like, that is my greatest regret. And so then, no, now I, you know, I went through the angel list process. And so when the pitch comes back and says, we're raising a fund, I have to be honest, I didn't understand what a fund was. And so this is back in 2022. I mean, like, mm -hmm. gosh, it's like, oh yeah, Jasmine, this is like two years ago, but Hey, I'm just letting you know, this has been my journey and yeah. it was different than what Gimlet was asking for. Now right. on show 101, Josh pitches the pitch. You were very candid that you were getting a little bit of heat from different people asking, well, does that change the nature of the show? Right. Since the show has a vested interest in these entrepreneurs who are pitching, does that change? And I remember listening and this is where I, this is where as a business owner, I'm looking at this 
is saying there is a multitude of funds. If you have money and you want to invest in a fund, which basically means somebody else will be making investments on your behalf and you're patient enough eight to 10 years to see how that actually played out for you. I can go anywhere, yeah. but I am choosing a fund based on somebody I trust. And that came on the back of listening to a show again and again. Mm-hmm. And I talked to my husband and I said, we need to get into this fund because whatever we invest in the, invest in the fund, it will be less than what I would have paid for an MBA to learn everything I have learned. So even if, even if it's a bust, even if yeah. it's a bust, I just paid for the investment of education that I had learned. Mm-hmm. And I will say that in order to invest in the fund, uh, what was the minimum to invest in the fund, Josh? Uh, 10,000. Mm-hmm. And so I reach out to you. And at this point, I actually think the fund is like a popularity contest. I'm like, I need to pitch myself to be a part of the fund. And so I remember <laughs> emailing, not you, but like, it was like, I don't know, like the pitch at the pitch or something like that. It was like a, a, a corporate e- email. Oh, was it? Okay. And I was just like, so I am essentially telling myself, I'm like, I think that I could be a value add because I would love to help the pitch grow on social and expand its reach. I am literally begging to be a part of the fund. Yeah. And yes, I remember um, this. <laughs> and it led to a conversation that I had an opportunity to meet with you and Lisa. And we had a great conversation about what it would mean to grow the pitch socially. Yep. And that was that. Yep. Now, what I want to do is I want to bring everybody up to speed with October 2023. Can I read something? Yeah. Okay. Hi, Jasmine. As an active investor in the fund and the Gemist and Tether SPVs, I'd like to personally invite you to join me, Lisa, and the rest of our team at the Pitch Miami. We only have room for 10 people to join us on January 11th or 12th. So I wanted to open up to LPs first before we open it up to the general public next week. This is our first ever VIP experience and invite only. We're handpicking a mix of LPs, angel investors, and VCs to join us at the studio. The idea is to give a few of our most active LPs the chance to meet founders on our show at the earliest possible moment. And then we will host a special dinner in the evening for investors. The cost is, and we can talk about the cost or not. I wanted to not put that up. Oh, I don't care. Sure. Okay. The cost is $3,000 and it includes lunch, dinner, snacks, and a full day of live recorded pitches with your peers, the pitch team and investors of the show. So how would you like to join us at the Pitch Miami? I am telling you, Josh, I'm trying to be such a professional podcaster right now. And I am battling a cold, Josh. And yeah. I am like, keep it together, woman. You will not cough into this <laughs> microphone. And I am sucking on this cough drop. And so people are going to be listening like, is she chewing a taco? No, y'all. I'm trying to keep it together. I read this email in our kitchen. And I can't even get the words out. I can't even finish half the email because I turned to my husband, my business partner, my high school sweetheart, the guy who believes in big dreams. And I'm like, we're going to Miami. And he turns to me. He's like, what? I'm like, no, no, no. We're going to drink Cubanos and we're going to be on South Beach, baby. <laughs> and we're going to go to this. And he's like, wait, what are you talking about? So I explain. And he says $3,000. And he said, do you want to know the ROI on $3,000? I get to sit and watch not one, but five companies do something <laughs> that maybe, maybe in the future or maybe not. I am getting a front row freaking seat to see how the game is freaking played. The game, which is traditionally, and I'll just come out and say it, not been all that inclusive to women, underrepresented groups, and people of color. The amount of Latinas who ever get to pitch to an investor, the amount of people who get to pitch, but the amount of people who actually get funding is less than one and a half percent for Latina and female founders. The fact that I get to see in the room and be in there and watch, how do I play this game and how do I find a way to win if that's ever something I so decide to do? Mm -hmm. So he says, let's go in. 
That's it. I respond to that email. And then a few days later, can I read something else? Yes. Okay. <laughs> sure. I'm like, what do I go. say now? <laughs> I know. No, it's what do I say now, Josh? Oh, okay. Okay, good. Hi, Josh. Happy Monday. And I hope you're gearing up for an amazing Halloween. My daughter made a special request for our family to dress like her favorite story, Little Red Riding Hood. She said she wanted to be the wolf, a girl after my own heart. Two questions. Would I be able to create a vlog about my experience going to the pit show? It would be a behind the scenes look at why I was invited, what I find valuable as attending, and what I will have learned. I'll be sharing it on my social channels as well as my newsletter, a total combined reach of over a million people. I would like to take a handheld camera for video clips, but I'd be discreet and not intrude on recording endeavors. Number two, would you be interested in being a guest on my podcast? I'd like to talk to you about your entrepreneurial journey and the show. Let me know what you think. Both one or none, the options is totally fine with me. But if there's one thing you need to know about me, it's that I love to create synergy, magic, and expansion with content. I'd be honored to co-create with you. And Josh, that is what leads us here today. So I want to say thank you for that. Thank oh, yeah, that was an easy answer. We were very excited to have you at the event. Yeah. <laughs> and here is the beautiful thing about this for people who are watching or listening is if you have your chance to shoot your shot, shoot your shot. I was completely unattached because the win, I had already won. I got into the room. I am a get in the room kind of girl. And if mm -hmm, the door is closed mm -hmm. to me, I'll find a window. I'll break <laughs> off the roof. And little did I realize that I'm making an investment into a fund that I believed in based on a personal brand and trust that was built over year after year after year. So I get into the room. And so I'm like, what do I have to lose? Nothing. And here's the best, most surprising part is that this podcast serves as a podcast. It also serves as a video, but it serves as a testament of what is to come because I will be creating a blog and I will be citing these things. And unbeknownst to me, I get an email from Lisa, Josh's better half, let's be real. And she says, <laughs> "It's true. do you think that you would be able to share some of your video clips with our team? And so here I thought, more synergy, more magic, more co-creation. Yeah. And so this we is why this. I wanted to have the show, Josh. I really wanted to document the journey of you as an entrepreneur, the journey of your ability to first and foremost, listen, that the thing that you're doing now not, might not be the thing, but it mm. could lead to the thing. And then I want to talk about the entrepreneurial journey about co-creating. And then when things don't turn out the way that you had expected, and then letting go of the lie that you were the most valuable thing to the business and that the business was the most valuable thing about you. And once you uncoupled those two things and you understood that you could do whatever you have done before, but better in in less time. You then go out and say, I'm going to bet on myself in a way that I never have before. I will retain the IP. I'll find a partner. And then we're going to do it better. And we're going to do it different. And despite the outward opinions about how the show will change, you still know what is best for the show and what is best for listeners and what is best for business owners who are raising funds. And from an outsider's perspective, as a viewer and a listener, I find it so valuable that the investors on the show, you really aim for diversity. That mm -hmm. people who are pitching the show, it is a, a wild misrepresentation of what is actually happening in venture capital in Silicon Valley because there are every color of the rainbow, every gender, disabilities and not, women, men, everything yeah. under the rainbow. And I listen to this and I say, you guys are creating the future of what venture capital should and will be. And so I want to be a part of that. And I want to take my listeners and people on YouTube and just be like, I'm documenting the journey. I want to say thank you for that. Thank you for making a fund for this brown girl to get a front row seat to what it actually looks like. So thank you.
Thank you. Uh, you're welcome. Uh, we're psyched. We are so happy to have you come and join us at Miami. I mean, like, this is why we started the fund. It's like we really believed that we had incredible people listening to the show. And the only way we'd ever worked with them was to say, listen to the show and we're going to make money off of ads. You know, right. like, so like there was no relationship with our customer other than you listen when we publish stuff. And so we were just really looking for ways to actually engage with our audience in a deeper way. And the fund made more sense to us than just like starting a Patreon or doing something like that, which is, you know, the typical, uh, the typical podcast path. So, yeah, I mean, and Josh, this have is you like seen what this? I mean, we we're, 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 we're closing the conversation. I mean, we're, we are going to close the conversation, but there is something I have not seen this done anywhere else. Now, I'm not saying that you guys are like unicorns, the first to ever think this way, but you guys are right. definitely the 1% of people who are doing this, which is fascinating to me. You guys are creating an entirely different monetization model so different than what other people are doing. How is that working? And in closing, for people who are interested in the fund, and can you explain the difference between the fund and an SPV? Because I didn't know those differences oh, yeah. and how I've been able to extend in closing and closing. Yeah. I mean, people can join us. We still have a couple spots left at the pitch. We've got like lots of LPs coming, still looking for, we've got a few VCs coming, but still open to just some angel investors in the general public who'd like to come. I mean, the idea is that like, you know, if you're interested in investing in these companies, like what better place to be than to meet the founders the moment they're pitching the VCs on our show? Like there's no greater access that, I mean, you're getting the same access that the VCs on our show get. So anyway, I don't need to pitch it. You yeah, people know. But um, yeah, it's called, I think the, the website is thepitchevent.com um, where people can express interest in joining us in Miami. Um, oh, the difference between the fund and an SPV. So an SPV is just a, <laughs> I wish they called it something else. Um, it's basically just like a deal. Like it's like you can invest in this company. The deal is Gemist, this company we had on our show. You can invest in Gemist. But what an SPV is specifically is it's a basically a business entity that's created that allows a bunch of people to pool their money together and then invest one big check in the company. Because actually, it's quite hard for an early stage founder to sell basically sell shares to a bunch of different investors. Like, it's, it's just really difficult to do like it's there's so much paperwork so much back and forth you know terms have to be negotiated on for every single one it's just it, it's just dumb so so basically you pull everybody together and then basically like we as the fund managers host this spv and negotiate on your behalf to get allocation in these in these deals so that you know basically on you know and Someone like you can put in a thousand, two thousand, ten thousand dollars into a company if they want. Okay. So as the listener is listening, I want to break this down as simple as possible. So JD and I invested in the Pitcho fund. And so part of the money from the fund, they invested in a company called Gemist. We're not going to get into it. You go and listen to the Gemist episode. It's pretty fascinating. Now, as part of us being a part of the fund, Josh and the team get to invest however they best see fit. Now, there is also an SPV. This means that any investor on the show that JD and I listen to, and we really like that business idea, we get to put more money into that particular business outside of the fund. And exactly. so I want to explain why we chose the Gemist because it was the first time in my entire life that I had ever heard of a vertical SaaS solution. <laughs> and Josh, I, I invested in the company because I liked her as a founder, 
But yeah, I learned so much awful. about what she was doing that I'm like, if nothing else, this is my tip, my hat to you doing the dang thing. And I get to get a front row seat to what it is you're doing. And so to me, I want to say thank you for democratizing what was otherwise it felt like a black box and giving people like me the opportunity to get in, learn business from actual business owners doing the dang thing in the mud, missing a tooth, a punctured <laughs> rib. A broken arm, a matted hair, and get up. You say, okay, one more time. Josh, how do people find you and The Pitch online? Uh, we are just The Pitch on every podcast app there is. The Pitch. You should be able to find us. Uh, it's this big blue cover art with um, the words The Pitch on it. And uh, I'm not super active on social. I am on LinkedIn, probably more active there than anywhere else. Um, but Basically, shout out, give know, a shout out to the YouTube channel. We got to give a shout out to YouTube. Oh, yeah, you guys we're are on producing YouTube. it big time. Yeah, the pitch show. We just launched that last year. Yeah, the first episode actually was yes. the Gemist episode. It was. It so, was. so, yeah, y'all seem to really like seeing the show. It is. It's fascinating. It's fascinating. So, Do you watch it? I, I'm, 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 I've always been audio girl. I've always been uh -huh. audio. And so that's mostly how I listen to it. But every so often when I want to see the founder, so. Okay, I'm going to totally nerd out. I can't believe I'm saying this. I'm glad it's at the end of the episode. I actually like looking at body language mm -hmm. when the investors are asking hard questions. And I am actually looking at the time duration of facial expressions, body language, and how long it's taking for them to respond to the question. Because I, I'm, I'm a watcher. And so if I'm looking at the body language, if I'm looking at the face, I need to know how do I possess that same type of power that I hear audibly? Because visual is a major distraction in human to human interaction. So I hear the audio and I could hear the palpable pain, discomfort, awkwardness of mm -hmm. it. But how yeah. does it come across conveyed? That is something that I need to master. And the video has helped me do that. So whenever I hear it, that's when I would go back and look at the visual of it. Is there anything that surprised you in watching the show that you didn't expect? Um, yeah, the, um, the, the gentleman, the, the product designer for Apple, the one that does the, the, the touch, like the, oh, the pointing. Yeah. Lotus. Yes, so I knew that he had, um, for all intents and purposes, he had said he had a disability. Yeah. So I wanted to know how his disability, how did he approach the mic? How did the disability um, convey itself in front of an investor? So somebody mm -hmm. with a physical disadvantage when investing, how did he leverage it so powerfully as an advantage? Audibly, you heard it palpable. I was like, this guy is unmessable with, like yeah. unstoppable. I would, <laughs> yeah. you know, I just want, I just want to throw money at him. And um, how he showed up on camera was yeah. very different than what I heard the power in his voice. And I oh, said, Jasmine, how might you possess the same power and confidence in your voice despite how you might feel on the outside? And that was like a yeah. big lesson for me. So I'm a consummate learner. I'm a studier, Josh. I'm a studier. Yeah. No, that's super helpful for me. Thank you. Oh, well, thank you. Um, Y'all, the pitch on every podcasting outlet. To get to know more about what they are doing, you can connect with Josh on LinkedIn. Check out The Pitch on YouTube. And y'all, be sure to follow both of our, subscribe to both of our YouTube channels because I want you guys to get a behind-the-scenes look at what it looks like from a viewer and participator and investor's perspective. Thank you for listening to The Jasmine Star Show. If you have found that at all interesting, please make sure to leave a review. We are indebted to them and I appreciate you being on this journey. A thousand times over. Thank you again to listen to the Jasmine Star Show.